trail cameras may very well be one of the biggest game changers for locating big bucks. Our guest today discusses his favorite big buck setups, the advantage of cellular cameras, and the craziest things he's come across while checking trail cameras in the whitetail woods. We dive into trail cameras today on the Rack Factor Podcast. Welcome to the Rack Factor Podcast, where we discuss the factors that lead to bigger bucks and a healthier deer herd. The Rack Factor Podcast is presented by Rack Fuel Premium Deer Nutrition. From premium deer mineral to deer feed, premium food plot seed to deer attractant, Rack Fuel products maximize the health and potential of your deer herd year round. Visit rackfuel.com and fuel your herd. Our guest today is no stranger to capturing incredible images of deer and other critters. When we have a question about trail cameras, this is our go-to guy. This is the guy we call. Trail camera guru Pat Howard from Tacticam joins us today on the Rack Factor podcast. Hey, Pat, what's up, buddy? Hey, guys. How are we doing today? How's it going, guys? I think everybody's good. It's prime time to get trail cameras out in the woods. Uh, you are the trail camera guy. At least, at least in my book, you're on speed dial, Pat, when, when we have questions. But I got to ask, let's, let's go back in time a little bit. When did you start getting into camming and, and using trail cameras? Oh, it's been, it was probably 2005, 2006, when they first came out with the, uh, the ones that actually took a roll of film. So you could go wait at the one hour photo and have 36 pictures of a weed blowing in front of your camera and then go do it again. So just burning through rolls of film back in those days. Finally figured out the one hour photo lady would say, hey, just give us pictures of the animals. And then they wouldn't charge you for the ones that didn't have an animal in it. That's good advice. Still have, still have photo albums full of those from back in the day. So do you remember what your first camera was, what brand it was, or, or what kind? It was a plot, plot watcher or cam something. I can't even remember what the first one was that took took the film. How about your first SD card camera? That would have been... Um, we had a mixed bag for a little while. We had some stealth cams back in the day. Uh, and then I think it was 2010 when I won the contest with Monster Racks and actually won a covert scouting camera. That really kind of turned the page for me. Yep. So back in those days, were you just using cameras kind of to scout, uh, just to kind of see if you could get pictures of bucks in your, your area or your property? That's kind of how it started out, just to see what was walking around, you know, to give you hope for that deer to walk by that you happen to get a picture of, or to let you know that you should have been there last Thursday when he did walk by. <laughs> right. So when did it go from being a, a scouting tool to kind of what you do now? It's kind of your passion now. Yeah. You know, we started out with a few cameras and, and started to get pictures of stuff. And I thought, I started to see some pictures online and, and I think I saw a couple contests and guys were getting pictures of things other than deer. And that kind of intrigued me quite a bit. So I kind of went from, I guess, from a scouting tool, I, I like to call it remote photography, where you put the camera out and try and get pictures of 
cool critters and cool spots. Nice. So fast forward to today, uh, you're running cameras for a, a trail camera company. You're, you've got multiple Facebook pages. You've got a social media presence now. How many trail camera pages are you actually facilitating or, or administrator for on Facebook? I'm actually only administrator on one right now, but I do help out with a few others. So when you started getting noticed from trail camera companies, um, which one was the first one that, that you started working for? That would have been uh, Covert okay. back in 2000. I think it was 2011. I think they, they contacted me and they liked what I was doing and they said, hey, would you be willing to test them? We'll send you free cameras if you'd be willing to test them for us before we release them to the public. So that's how my start there. And then it kind of snowballed into them offering me a job. I moved to Kentucky and ended up working for them for three years, uh, doing product testing and development and customer service. And it didn't take me long to learn that customer service wasn't my thing. <laughs> No, that's why is that, Pat? <laughs> my personality evidently clashes a little bit with uh, with people sometimes. <laughs> While you were at Covert, you said you kind of got a chance to look at these new cameras before they were actually released to the public. What what types of things did you have to deal with, you know, when you're beta testing a trail camera, are there a lot of just technical things that they have to overcome before they release those and package them up and put them out in stores? What, what types of things did you see at that time? Yeah, there would be, there would be bugs and firmware updates and, you know, the original ones, the prototype ones, they weren't always mass produced. They'd be put together by hand sometimes just to get the ball rolling on them and, not everything was always put together as it should be. Gotcha. So you're you're testing cameras, you're deploying. I, I imagine many cameras. Um, how many cameras were you running at one time back in your heyday? Oh, when I was with Covert, I was doing the product testing and development, and also monitoring three thousand acres. We'd have hunters come in and whatnot. And I was somewhere between 125 and 150 at one time. Dang. On 2,000 wow. acres. That's a, that's, a lot of, that's a lot of SD cards to go through. There, there might still be a couple that I forgot about somewhere down there. <laughs> I bet there is. When you've got 120, 130 cameras sitting out, how often did you go and check those cameras? That would be – there was – like five different farms so I could pick, you know, two farms to do one afternoon. And every, I tried to get them checked every two weeks at the longest. So what's your favorite trail camera setup? Oh, it's gotta be water. Yeah. If we're talking even deer in water or critters other than deer would be a lot going over water. So when you're looking for those spots, you know, for that type of setup, what are you looking for, you know, kind of exactly? Um, My favorite line is when I go to put out new cameras in new spots, I never really know what I'm looking for, but I know it when I see it. Okay. It just kind of, all of a sudden it'll just jump at me like, hey, this needs a camera here. 
But when it comes to creek crossings, you know, we got deep banks, you know, six feet high that go down to the creek. So trails are very visible. Um, any log can be hot, you know, at certain times of year. Uh, winter seems to be the best. But uh, I'll just put a camera on a log and leave it there for two weeks and see see what's traveling it. And if nothing's traveling it, we'll just go look for a, a hotter one. So how many cameras have you lost to flooding over the years? At 10, 15, probably. I figured. At least. Yeah. At least. I mean, not everybody's throwing on a pair of waders and putting stuff out in the middle either, but. I know in Kentucky, those creeks come up fast and, and our one at our place here in Wisconsin doesn't come up as fast. So I can kind of get to them before and if we get a bunch of rain. So you using waders quite a bit when you're doing these sets? Yeah, a lot of times I use waders. Okay. So you kind of know that that could be a risk that you're going to run when you're setting a camera out that close to water. Is, is that just kind of the price you pay to try to capture what you're going after? Yeah, that's a gamble. Yeah, I just roll the dice and, and, you know, keep an eye on the weather. We can usually tell if there's a big, big rain event coming and then I'll go grab them. Um, most of the time, the cell cameras will let me know too when the water starts to get up a little bit. And then uh, I'm only 30 minutes away from the property, so I can make a run and go snag them. Oh, that, I didn't even think about that with the cell cams. Yeah, that's a nice feature where, you know, the old days with those ST cards, you had no idea until you got there. Yeah, unless you called dad and said, hey, look out the window and let me know what the creek's doing. Right. Right. Thanks yet. Right. All right. So you just, uh, you gave me a natural transition there talking about cell cameras. So you are now working for one of probably the top cell cam companies at, at Tacticam. And uh, they've, they've got a great product. They, the reveals, when those came out, they, they are just flying off the shelves. Guys are using them, having great success with those. What have you seen in that evolution, Pat, with, with cellular cameras? And, and, and how do you feel that they're affecting, you know, guys getting out and scouting and hunting? Well, what... What Tacticam has done is, is they've introduced a cell camera that's affordable to, you know, your everyday guy can now have a $125 cell camera and can put it out there and have pictures sent to his phone, where it used to be kind of a, a more of a rich man's game because they were $300, $400, And uh, now, now it's just crazy the amount of people that are running them. Right. I picked up uh, a Tacticam reveal. X nice. will be uh, deploying these real soon. Um, so I'm new. I'm new to the cellular camera game. And I've got a lot to learn, obviously. But what what are you recommending, you know, a first-time user do to get this camera out of the box, strapped to a tree or, or you know, across from a water crossing? What are you recommending people do to get uh, these things out and get them sending pictures to their phones? Uh, they're super simple, really, to use. At least ours are very simple to set up. Uh, you'll download our app, and you'll get the camera out of the box. There's a QR code right inside the camera that you scan, and then it adds it to your app, and you set up whatever plan you want for pictures. 
You can pick up a set of lithium batteries um, for a cellular camera. They do take a little more power with sending pictures and finding signal. Uh, lithium batteries are expensive nowadays. You'll get about 7,000 pictures on a set of lithium batteries. You can run alkaline in the summer because you don't have to worry too much about the uh, temperature. When it gets cold, lithium obviously is the best bet. Um, but you can run alkalines. You'll get 4,000 pictures on those. And then uh, also there's solar, external power, you know, with a, like a little lawnmower battery. Uh, there's all kinds of other options too. It depends on, you know, if, you, if you're sitting in a place you don't want to go into for a long, long time, then solar or the external battery is your best bet. So that external battery, do you order that just right, right from Tacticam on, online or? At this time, we don't have one available uh, okay. as far as a kit. But uh, I know a few people out there make them called a power pack. And uh, it actually comes in like an ammo box you put at the bottom of your tree. And then you plug it in. Okay. And it'll power your camera for a year at a time. So for me, uh, I still got to pick up some SD cards to put in this thing. Um, what do you What do you recommend uh, for a size, or is is there a, a size limit, maximum size that you can put in these cameras? Yeah, for the Tacticam, you're looking at a 16 or a 32 gig. You want it to be a class 10, and you want it to say U3 on it, preferably a write speed of 100. Those seem to perform the best. Any particular brand? Uh, most people use scan discs, scan disc extreme. Okay. That's what we actually have. A, we actually sell one to the Tacticam SD card that, that works well in our cameras. So the ones that you're selling, uh, the Tacticam ones are, are those, do you choose, is it, they have 16 and 32 or is it just 32? Just 32. Just 32. And it's, are they class 10 and then the U3? Is that what you? Class 10, U3. Okay. Okay. I've heard the, you know, the different class sizes, but I, the U3 part, I mean, I, I guess I don't have no idea what that even, that's the first time I've heard that. Yeah. Quite a few cards are U1s. Okay. Um, and U3 is just a, a little better card with a little faster write time. We've heard, you know, how great a cellular camera is just for the fact that you're not, you don't have to step foot inside the woods until you, you absolutely, you know, need to, uh, obviously if your, your batteries are getting low or whatever, you might have to go in and switch those out. But are there any other limitations, um, that we can talk about, or maybe, maybe just things that people should know before they go out and deploy one of these cellular cameras? The, the biggest thing with a cell camera is it needs cellular service. It needs cell signal to work. Um, if you get two bars on your phone, the camera will have two bars at least, and it will work without any problem at all. Um, we, we offer Verizon and AT&T, so you can have your phone or you can look on. There's maps and stuff like that that, that show the cell's coverage in your area. And how about battery life? I imagine because these cameras are always kind of searching for a signal, they probably chew through batteries pretty quick. What other options other than the lithium would you recommend? Uh, if you're in a spot that gets some decent sunshine during the day, a solar panel will, will last a long, long time. And that will help quite a bit with battery life. 
so many things come into also to affect your battery life is, it, you know, if you've got a place where you've got poor signal, it'll still send, but it's, it'll work a little harder to do that. So that'll cut into your battery life a little bit too. So the, the solar panels, um, I haven't used one of them. Is it, they just plug right into the, to the camera? Is there somewhere on the, the side that, that it attaches? Yeah, there's a plug on the bottom of the camera to plug the solar panel into. Okay. How, how long is the cord? Do you know? Six foot. Six foot. So now do you want to try to get it up above the camera? or yeah, up above the camera and, and face it so it's getting sun. Okay. Now do you, do you kind of angle it at all if you can? Or yeah, and it, and it and it depends on the season too, because and obviously in the winter the sun rides a little lower, and then in the summer the the sun rises rides a little higher. So you'll want to kind of know, pay attention to which way the sun's going. Most of the time, if you're in a field setup where it's getting a lot of sun, you can just point it almost straight up because the sun will go right overhead most of the time. Can the reveals run strictly off of the solar panel? Do you have to have batteries in that battery compartment? It will run off the solar panel alone. We, I recommend putting batteries in it because then if something happens where if a raccoon unplugs it or if the solar panel happens to go dead, then you'll know because the solar panel will show 100% all the time. And if you start seeing your battery trickle down on the app, your battery percentage, that means that that got unplugged and it's running on the internals. That makes sense. So I'll give you a bit of a heads up. Right, right. So if anybody out there listening or, or watching is is interested, we are a Tacticam dealer here at Rackfuel. So you can go online at rackfuel.com, check out uh, the reveals, the solar panels. We have quite a few of the accessories for these cameras. So we're uh, we're excited to be partnered with Tacticam in that regard. So. For the hunter who's who's not worried about getting the, the fancy picture, um, that just wants an inventory of, of the bucks on you know on the farms that they're hunting, what type of setups do you recommend for for something like that? Uh, it depends, you know, the time of year, and it also depends, you know, if it's summer, you're looking at food. Uh, when the beans start to get green, they're going to go to that. Um, if legal in your state, mineral mineral is a great attractant. You can get very good inventory over that. Um, I'm a big fan of mock scrapes year-round. You can get a licking branch that, that they'll visit. You can get a pretty good inventory on that, too. That's how you got your first pictures of uh, of Muley, right? Was was that was that a mock scrape? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think it was. That's what I thought. So did you know that that buck was, was alive? Um before you got got those those pictures, no, I had no idea that he would, that he lived there. Okay, so from the time you got your first picture of of Muley, how how long was that from uh, till you shot that buck? It was two years actually. Okay, uh, really good looking deer had double split twos, uh, like a mule deer, so I nicknamed him Muley. Um, Lucky enough, he survived the 2009 season. 2010, he started to show up in the summer. Um, he had only split one side, but uh, big frame, big deer. And uh, I kind of decided that he was one for me, and I was going to go all in. 
And as as it went on, and you know, he disappeared for a couple of weeks, and then he shed his velvet, and he came back, and and the trail cameras actually helped me kill him because I could see a, a pattern. You know, I get him at this time here, I get him at this time down at the water, I get him at this time over in the food plot, I get him at this time at the mock scrape. So I could kind of figure out where he was betting and the circle he made every night, and where and he always finished and ended up. And all it started in the same area. So October 21st was the first cold snap we had. And he'd been visiting a mock scrape that I made on the edge of one of my brassica plots. And I decided that I was going to go up there and try and kill him. Now, thankfully, uh, the week before that, I'd had a disagreement with my former boss. And he decided I didn't need to be employed there anymore. So otherwise, I wouldn't have even been in that tree stand. I'd have been at work that morning. So that worked out for, for the for the win. Um, and I climbed up the mountain. It's a, probably a 25-minute hike uphill. And I walked next to the mock scrape and got into my stand, probably 15 yards in the woods from it. And I wasn't up there five minutes. I'm not one that gets there you know, a half hour before light. I like to get there right as day's breaking. And I, to this day, I believe that that buck heard me walking in the leaves and thought it was another buck coming to that scrape because I'd no more, more than pulled my bow up and got an arrow knocked and he was standing 20 yards away from me. Nice. So you didn't even really have time to uh, get nervous. No, no shaking, no nothing. Saw the, the 14 inch G2s and went, oh, that's my boy right there. Right. Drew back and let her eat. Right. Nice. Yeah, that's a super cool buck for sure. He's still one of my, he's still my favorite just because of how that day played out and the story played out and having a couple of years of pictures and passing deer that scored more than he did just for the sentimental cool value that he had. So when you're using mock scrapes, I mean, you already talked kind of about using mineral if, 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 you know, legal in your area. What types of products do you use to help, you know, to get some of those pictures? And, and what, what are some types of, you know, products that, that, that guys could use to, to help get that inventory? Actually, at Tacticam, we have another company called Scrape Fix. You yep. can buy a scrape stick and it'll go on a tree or a T-post and then you just cut a branch and relocate it to wherever you want to. Um, every two weeks, I give them a new branch. We make up right now. I'm using a, a powder that we have. It's called velvet powder. Okay. And I just kind of spray that on the leaves. Uh, I'll clear out a spot underneath it. Uh, super secret. I take a leak in it and then, and then it's game on. So you, <laughs> so on your scrape sets, you, you pee right in your, in your scrapes, right? I do. Every one yeah. of them. Yeah. That's yeah, I do too. That works really well. Unbelievable. So on those scrape sticks, when you're putting a new branch in, any particular type of of you know, tree that you're you're taking branches from? I found two ways to go about it. I found maple branches work really good they eat the leaves in like the first or second day. They just clean them off. Uh, an oak branch lasts a little longer and they like that equally as much. 
Okay. They just don't seem to eat it as much as they do on maple for some reason. Okay. There's another product too called, uh, it's made by Conquest Sense. It's called Evercomb and it comes in a deodorant stick. That's an also an amazing product that works really well on licking branches. Cool. So Pat, you, you're working now at Tacticam. What kinds of things are you doing for them? Uh, right now I'm doing uh, product testing and development on the cellular cameras, our POV cameras, uh, a little bit of everything. Okay. They got some new stuff coming up that you can maybe tease, but aren't necessarily privy to, to share. Oh, I can tease a little bit. We've got, we're actually, actually, this is perfect timing because it's release week. So we're actually posting the teaser videos on all our social media accounts for the, uh, the X pro, which is the new cell camera we're coming out with the 6.0, the POV camera, the solo extreme is another POV camera that we're coming out with. Those will all be released early here, early in, in August and available to the public on the XB and then the X 2.0. What's, what's the difference between those two cameras? Okay. The X, the gen two X is a low glow camera and it doesn't have GPS. Otherwise it does everything else. The XB does the XB is a black flash and has GPS location. On, on some of those products that, you, that you've used, um, you've used uh, the attractant that, that I make for, for a number of years, spraying. Um, I know a lot of guys really buy the Apple, kind of two to one to anything else, but uh, I can hardly ever get you to- Oh, cherry vanilla is worth that. I can hardly ever get you even to try the, the apple. No. Uh-uh. Yeah. There's no reason to. <laughs> so that's your favorite one. Just stick with what works, yeah. right? Yeah. The cherry vanilla is, is where it's at. My favorite story is the one you tell about the cattails. So let's hear it from Pat's point of view. What's the, what's the cattail story again? Oh, you know, if a guy comes up to Tom and we're at a show or whatever, and he's like, Oh man, you're not going to believe this. Well, you know, a lot of times it's a story we've already heard. This wasn't a story we'd already heard. He says, he wants to know how, how do I get deer to, to stop in front of my camera in these big public land marshes where the cattails are. Tom sells them a bottom water attractant. He goes and sprays it on the cattails. Not only do they stop in front of the camera, they eat the freaking cattails. Yeah. It's hard. That, that story is, I, like I said to Steve the first time, what we we said it uh, on one of the first um, podcast episodes. I don't know how we're gonna find hear one that's that tops that that story. That's uh, that's crazy. I'm gonna start putting weird stuff out there just to see if I can get them to eat it and spray it out to try and top it. <laughs> uh, you know what? If you could top that, I'll give you I'll give you a gallon. <laughs> what uh, What do you think a deer won't eat? Gotta remember, my deer, they're different too. They'll walk up to mom's front porch on Halloween and eat a pumpkin off of it. I, I could think of some products that, that could <laughs> no, use some. Yeah, let's, <laughs> let's, not, let's not name names, but yeah. Just so I do touch it. As we're going off the rails here, 
what what's the kind of the craziest thing you've ever seen, Pat, in in running trail cameras for the last decade or so? Oh, I, it gets to a point, you know. Even the other day, I just got. We love to get the pictures coming in, and you know, trail camera first are far and few between anymore. And uh, here I had a, a mink with four babies on a log crossing, and we hadn't ever had that before. Um, I've had a bobcat with five kits on a log. More coyotes with fawns in their mouth than I care to even talk about this year. It's been terrible. It's just, you know, and a bobcat carrying a fawn across the log, and it's just all kinds of crazy stuff. When the bucks aren't don't have their antlers yet, and they're trying to display their dominance, and they're mounting up on the back of a another one, a little broke buck mountain, it just right. It's just you just don't know right. what you're going to catch. Yeah. So when you're when you've when you're especially like Kentucky, because you were in some crazy places, but going through the woods to uh, check cameras, you ever run across anything, you know? odd or or anything that made you a little nervous besides moonshine stills and meth labs uh no not too much those are about as far as it got <laughs> those are always good to walk away from right i thought my badger story was bad enough but no I, no new moonshine uh stills no meth labs and moonshine stills i found a couple of each you ever run into to like badgers or, or bobcats or bears or, or anything kind of and just have a standoff and trying to figure out who's going to blink and, and and walk away first? Not so much. Uh, bears are getting a little more common around us and we're drawing tags every other year. So we're doing some baiting and uh, 11 minutes was the quickest I've had one hit the bait behind me after I left. How about when you're walking in, you you have any where they were, they were in the bait as you were getting to it? No. And that's the other nice thing about a cell camera is, is if it's not sending me pictures of something there, I know it's okay to go in. Okay. We did have a bear walk 10 feet behind the turkey blind when, when we were tur- turkey hunting this spring, but he didn't pay any attention to us, which was good. Right. I did snuggle my shotgun just a little harder <laughs> so for folks that that don't know uh tell tell us where you're at location wise in wisconsin uh we're not far from actually lacrosse wisconsin is where our land is located okay. so there's bears that are are migrating kind of south into that river that mississippi river region now yeah, we're starting to see a few more every year. But we've, we've had one or two, you know, on and off. Throughout the years, we've owned the land since 87. But now, you know, with the cameras and the money cameras as we're running, there's there's no chance one gets through the land without getting a picture of it. So now we know a little better just how many they are around and talking to the neighbors and they're getting pictures of them more and more. The, the nice thing with those those tacticams now, even if you're in an area where you're not getting a signal, um, just because of the price, you know, I'd never bought them before because they were like, you were talking about earlier, they were so expensive, you know, and I, I've run so many cameras that I'm like, I have to go down and check SD cards anyway. What's the point of having one or two? I mean, it's nice to have one or two where you're getting some pictures, you know, so you have an idea, but you're, 
you know, there was no way I was going to run all of my cameras that way, but um, you don't even have to turn it on. The, the pictures, even if you don't turn the, the, the plan on, the pictures are really well, you know, I mean, they take a great picture just if you're running it like a regular SD card, but uh, you know, before you were using these, what's, what's your favorite, what was your favorite non-cellular, uh, you know, the old style SD camera? When it come down to, there was a couple of things, you know, with our hobby being, you know, trying to get some of the best pictures, uh, of course, a white flash. Had to have had to have colored pictures at night in the arsenal. Uh, Spartan actually makes a really good white flash camera, the uh, Lumen. And then uh, we also had to always had to have one that would take dynamite video, and that was uh, the Stealth Cam DS4K. That was our go-to for videos. I know for a long time that Covert Red 40. God, that was a hard camera to beat. 2012. Mm. Jeez, that was a good camera. 2012. My last one just died last season. It, it lasted that long. So almost 10 years. It's incredible. Of, 10 of years pictures incredible. And probably tens of thousands of pictures a season. Was it was it white? All the paint all the paint was faded off of it for sure. <laughs> no, no. It, it actually the camo. Uh, really? whatever they dip it in, it, it held up pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I pull them out in the winter time, so oh, it didn't get, yeah. you know, beat up as much, but so Pat, what's your number one tip for maybe someone who's never set out a trail camera? What would you tell them is like the most important thing to keep in mind when they're setting out a camera? Uh, the biggest thing is, you know, obviously there's your basic supposed trail camera rules. Um, the number one thing is to point it north. That way you're not getting the sun uh, going up and coming down and fading out your pictures and causing false triggers and all that stuff. That would be the basic place to start. Um, probably thigh high between knee and thigh high on a, on an average adult. As far as height, um, find a good place where a couple trails intersect or a water hole or a creek crossing or someplace where you're going to get some activity. And if legal, just put some food in front of it. How many cameras do you face north? Not many. <laughs> Not many. No, no. <laughs> don't follow that rule. No. <laughs> No. And I, and I understand it. Yeah, I understand it, but, uh, God, there's some spots. You you're like, I want this picture. I want this background. I, I don't care what direction it's facing. I, you you're know. not getting the rack silhouetted at sunset point pointed North. Right. So if you could pick your favorite, the favorite trail camera picture that you've ever taken, describe it to us. Oh, just one. <laughs> pick your favorite it's still got to be it's still got to be um the log going over the creek with the mama bobcat and then the three littles um there's a picture and then the video that followed with them meowing in in the background it's just something you don't see every day uh i got another set a close second 
and I wish I'd have had it on video. And that's the only downfall of the Spartan Lumen is it does photo or video. It doesn't do both. But uh, I had three bobcats on a log, and they were playing leapfrog. So I've actually got pictures of a bobcat jumping over a bobcat on the log. All right, Pat, we're at the point in the show that's called our lightning round. We're going to ask you some rapid fire questions and want you to have a little fun with this. Just give us the first answer that comes to the top of your head and we'll run through these real quick. All right. Go. <laughs> Question one, favorite tree stand snack. Um, just a candy bar. Probably a Snickers. Solid choice. You would think a fat guy like me snacked a lot, but I don't snack a lot in the tree stand. Tom says that's un-American, but... Well, someone said, all right, Justin Levinska said no no snacks. No, no snacks in the tree stand. Come on now. I mean, I don't believe that. That's crazy. When it comes to tradition, though, the day before gun season, Mama always makes chocolate chip cookies, so those are always good. Nice. You can't you can't not have a snack when you're cold. in a tree stand, Jace. When it's super cold and they just shatter when you bite into them. <laughs> Chip your teeth. All right. Second question: Favorite state to hunt? Oh, if I had to pick, I've only been there once, but it would be Iowa for deer. Um, as far as not deer, I mean, I have a hard time going to a state to shoot something that I can shoot in my backyard. So it would have to be out West, probably something for elk or, or mule deer, whether it be Colorado or Montana or Wyoming. All right. If there was one day a year that you could hunt and only one, what day would it be? Halloween, October 31st. I can't say I've killed a lot of deer on that day, but that just seems to be here in Wisconsin. That seems to be the day when the deer all decide that they're going to start to do their, their rutting stuff. And uh, it's always been a good day. I thought you were going to say Muley Day. No, October 21st, that was. And that's just a, a shade early, but that was a coincidence. Uh, you know, I had him pretty well patterned, and it was the first 20-degree morning of the year. So I took advantage of that. All right, last question. In your opinion, what's the most important factor in killing a mature whitetail? Luck. <laughs> right place, right time. And, and, you know, and, and that depends, too. If, if, if it's early season, you can do your homework. Um, states like Kentucky, where you can hunt them in velvet and you can use bait. They're a whole different, a whole different critter when they got velvet on their head. Once that comes off, then they get smart. Um, most of the time you'll hear guys killing these big deer, mature deer during the rut. What are they doing? Following a doe. So you want to get a mature buck, you keep your girls happy, and you'll have the boys there when you need them. Right. All right. So, Pat, where can people find you on the web or connect with you on social media? Uh, TikTok and Instagram. I am TC Guru, and I'm just Pat Howard on social media on Facebook. How do you spell guru? Oh, I spell it weird. G-O-O. I know. R-O-O. <laughs> yeah. That's why I said it. Yeah. Funny story years ago that uh, a buddy of mine had a photo album that he gave to the owner of Covert. 
and he called him a, TC, uh, a trail camera guru. But and then I had to tweak it a little bit and spell it differently. Right. Well, hey, Pat, thanks for visiting with us today. It was really good to, to see you and catch up. And uh, hopefully we'll get you back on here in the future. Yep. Thanks, Pat. Sounds good. Thanks for joining us on the Rack Factor podcast presented by Rack Fuel Premium Deer Nutrition. Listeners of the podcast can enjoy 20% off Rack Fuel Premium Deer Mineral, Feed, or Food Plot Seed by entering the code FACTOR, that's F-A-C-T-O-R, at checkout. Visit rackfuel.com now for 20% off premium deer nutrition products and fuel your herd.